Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 47. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at B Journeyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Doing great, John. We are VMware solution engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. I'm excited for the second half of the interview with Kieran Sheldon. This time, we're going to dive into the meat of his article, You, Your Health, and the Data Center. Isn't it funny how we didn't actually get to his article until part two? It was to me anyway. But it was also intriguing how self-pressures and ego can definitely cause us to take unnecessary risks. Does that ever happen to you, John? Yeah, it definitely has. Uh, Ego is definitely my kryptonite. It's led me to burnout uh, probably a couple times. Um, But let's hear a guest story. IT Burnout with Kieran Sheldon. So speaking of um, blogging and uh, social media, maybe we could talk about this post that that caught our eye. And this, I should maybe give a little bit of background. I think Nick and I talked about this um, um, article that you wrote, You, Your Health, and the Data Center, back when we were first starting uh, doing our podcasting. It just um, was in a segment that we ended up cutting as we were first getting used to doing podcasting. So we didn't really ever publish anything that we uh, we talked about. But if you could maybe um, go through the article and kind of the events that that led up to it, and and maybe give an overview of of what you took away, um, that would be really terrific for our listeners. Yeah. So this article I wrote, um, it was basically a, a brain dump the the day after I finished um, this massive project. And it kind of came down to the business needed to downsize the uh, infrastructure that they had. Uh, it had grown too big and we actually had a deadline um, of the end of the month because it was going to start costing more money um, and the company didn't want to do that. So there was a hard set um, deadline. And I, um, was, in, I was in charge of uh, decommissioning the whole project. So uh, decommissioning the, the data center. And I had to go through, I had to list out who, what customers we had in this data center. I had to list out uh, what infrastructure we're running, what was um, relying on what connections uh, externally, internally, uh, and break it all down. But then being a small team, it ended up that I then took on the role of going out to the data center and doing the, um, the the full decommissioning. But at the same time, it also meant that um, I was moving customers and I had to do, I had to move customers after hours. Um, if we did it during business hours, then we probably wouldn't have those customers anymore uh, with a bit of downtime. But um, but there was this 
pr process that we had to get in place. And what uh, the, the first week I was going out to the data center, I would start pulling equipment that um, was redundant and was no longer needed. Um, and that sort of, that worked out well, but then I, the, the final week, we sort of had a few other things happen in the organization that I couldn't keep up uh, with the, the schedule that I'd set. And um, in the last week, it got to this point where I had to go out every night and be migrating customers, decommissioning um, hardware that was there and, and moving devices from certain racks into other racks. And it was just this swapping around. Um, so... Uh, to paint a picture of what the data center was, we had eight racks, but we wanted to consolidate um, down to only three racks. But we had equipment that was running in the sixth rack that we wanted to move down into the third rack, but that was like our data stores. So there was massive downtimes that we had to plan for. Um, and, and just getting those sorts of notifications out to customers saying that we're going offline for this time because we have to make this change. Um, and, and things like that, it, it really set these, um, it, not just from a physical side, but from a mental capacity to be able to go through this process was um, really draining uh, at that time. So I ended up, um, I spent a lot, it wasn't just physical, it was mental time, just trying to focus on what we had to do. Um, and who we had to, to notify and what order things need to be done because we could still um, we, we, we could still hairpin back traffic back to the old data center into the new data center at the same time and try and limit as much downtime. And just doing calculations in your head at the same time while pulling it apart just was, yeah, it, it, it was a huge drain. So I ended up... Um, spending uh, about 60 hours in four days was what ended up being the last week of getting this completed. And there was a lot of, th this blog post was essentially a reflection of those 60 hours of just, w there were so many things that could have gone wrong. And I was just looked back at it and went, if, I, I just can't do that and I can't do that anymore. If, if I did that and something had gone wrong, um, I probably wouldn't have even written that blog post. So it was sort of a, a big reflection. And um, I ended up taking um, some quite severe risks in that and it wasn't just in the data center. I was driving, it, to break it down, what these 60 hours pretty much in, um, involved of, of work was, I started Sunday and I worked through the night until about 4 a.m. I left the data center, drove home, got one hour of sleep, went back to the office to prepare for the next night to do the, the tickets that I had um, sitting in my queue for the day-to-day. -day. And then I was back out to – went home, had dinner, went back out to the data center. And as, as I was uh, in my younger years, I could do that. Um, which I've never actually done it for that long either, but I thought I've been able to survive late nights, long nights, 24-hour nights, and um, and unfortunately, this 
is the turning point where I just went, I, I can't do that. Um, I, I stretched myself to my limits. And there were things that I was doing that I, I didn't even think about. I went in and I wouldn't take breaks. I just kept going and going. And there was a, at one point towards the end of the time, there was I nearly dropped a, a data center switch on my head. And that kind of woke me up into what was going on. And luckily on the last night, I got to the point where I actually asked for help and had someone else come out and help me on the final night where we, we did the big data store, um, the, the, the sand move and moving all that across, which just, um, yeah, since that point, I now ask for help when something big comes up. I, I don't take that all on. So it sort of broke me from that point. So if I'm understanding correctly, and you can tell me if, you know, this is a, um, if I'm, if I am actually understanding it, um, it was really more about, you know, the, the project wasn't a disaster, but you kind of wanted to document at least for yourself, um, how you followed what was a fragile process instead of, a, a more, um, uh, a process that was more, uh, resilient and, and, and was less risky. And a lot of that risk ended up being working yourself too much. Is that right? Yeah. So it's, it comes down to that. I spent, uh, I didn't actually understand what my limits were going to be. And I pushed that, um, I pushed that too much and it's, could have the, the the failure would have been if something had happened to me in that time um the, the process in the actual migrations weren't a failure but it was a the where, where i found that i failed was i and i touched on it a bit in there is that i got really quite sick afterwards and mm -hmm. my body couldn't cope and it just i i was sick for three or four days afterwards and I lost a lot of weight in that time as well. Um, and that was that time where I was, I was actually sick afterwards. It wasn't, I didn't lose the weight during that time, uh, during the, the migration, but it was during the, that time I got sick and yeah, doing that to my body, I just that sort of, yeah, it became that turning point where I just went, yeah, I'm not, I'm really not doing well um, to do who I did. And I don't think anyone else should. Um, we are all sort of determined in our jobs. We want to do the job that we are hired for. We want to get, but we want to go out and beyond what we what our what we think or what our general day to day is, and do our best. And I sort of took that on as the whole role for myself. And I've come to find that that actually could have actually been the end of it as well. Um, it, 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 it is okay to ask for help. It is okay to say, I'm, I'm struggling with this, um, part of the project. I know it's my project, but I need some guidance. I need help. Um, you're not weak in, in, in asking that, um, you are in doing so you actually are doing your job better. The outcome could have been even better than what, um, the outcome was at that point in time. So yeah, I, in myself, I feel like I failed myself in, in not looking after myself and also having a young family in that. It, yeah. What do you think are the risk factors 
um, for people. Because this isn't the only story of, you know, working oneself to the absolute limit. I, I've done it. You know, maybe Nick's talked about doing it in the past. I, I feel like I've heard this story over and over. Um, in yourself, is, are there things that you can identify within yourself that, that um, are risk factors that lead you down this path? Because I'm sure that nobody sets out right to say well i'm just going to put myself at the absolute limit and maybe a little bit past just to get this task done there's a there's a series of compromises that we make within ourselves or you know that that lead us down this path and all of a sudden we're past the limit so have you been able to look back and and identified i think you said a little bit earlier ego um, might have been one of the things that you ran into in the past. Are, are there other things or, or maybe even just expand on that ego point? Yeah, so I think um, I think for me, I've as I've gone through my, my career, I actually went through a bit of a stage where um, where I felt that in the organization um, were, talking about me behind my back in, in certain things I've done. And that sort of has followed me into, into this other organization, which hasn't happened. It wasn't the case. But because I had this prior experience, I, I sort of have that fear just sort of comes over that, well, those two people have gone and I know I have did something wrong yesterday or, or something, but these two people have gone and had a meeting. Is it about me? Is it about uh what's it about and having that fear i guess sort of comes over me and going i mustn't be doing my job right and i put myself to show that i can do that and there have been incidents um over so this was about uh i might clarify that uh this was about uh three just over three years into uh myself working at this organization so there has been incidents where i might have done something wrong whether it was a um, migration that didn't work out as it should have or um, those sorts of incidents happen and and no it's perfect we we all make mistakes in that but it got sort of to this point where um, I think when I was doing this particular project that I, that I took it on um, and took it on myself that I needed to um, that I just needed to put my foot forward and make sure I was, I was getting it done that I showed that I could uh, do something right, could complete that task, could um, and do all that. And again, it sort of goes back to where uh, that asking for help. Um, if I didn't, um, if I had asked for help, then I'm showing that I can't do it all. I, I, I can't complete something successfully and, and that. So it sort of, it was kind of a build up over time of having that repeat in my head of other incidents to, to get to that point, yeah, um, which then the, the risk at the end sort of became a bit of a burnout as well where I had still had all this stuff going on. I've, got, I've kind of failed this. I've, I've not done this right and what's going to be said about me with my time that I'm there it, and all that's playing through my head as well at the same time. So it sort of complicated things a little bit for me. So insecurity, that's, that's the yeah. word it sounds like you're talking about. Absolutely. Right. Uh, that, that insecurity um, has been quite strong for me. And, and that's sort of been something from my um, high school days of being bullied in that. And I think something that we don't realize is that 
um, the effects from when we are uh, kids can also affect us a lot um, when we are um, when we are older as well. They can come back and bite us. Um, there's a book that I'm reading at the moment. Uh, it's an autobiography of um, Osher Gunsberg. Um, and he, he was a presenter on Australian Idol and, and that. And he talks about in this book at the start about fear. And he talks about how he's built up when he was three. There was a video that he, he's remembered uh, that was playing on TV. And um, the fear from that, how it's transpired into his life now. Uh, into his um, older years and that. And so I see that, I, I reflected on that of all these sorts of things where people talking behind my back or just thinking these through is actually a, um, from those years when I was being bullied back in school and that has sort of come through to, to, these, um, to these later years. And it sort of just puts it into perspective of that so it's one thing where I now have to I, I've I've identified that and I'm working on that and that's where I now know from doing this um, project every project I've done since I've made sure here's my limit I need help or I need to do this or I need to ask this question and it's sort of broken that I think it's it's sort of human nature when we get these projects that are what you might consider as a breakthrough or something that you think could make or break your career, the success or failure of it, it we put all this pressure on ourselves to, to perform just as you said. And I, I think the curse of knowledge is that you, you know what you know and you tend to try and match patterns and that oftentimes can create those fears that you're mentioning that that we sometimes can't shake but the fact that you are aware of the fact that you have these fears and that you need to guard against them because not everything will be exactly the same is is a very good thing a nice lesson for others to learn from i'd probably chime chime in on that and say that um you know in television or in the movies when you when you make the realization that usually solves it Right. But in the real world, like ha having the realization that you're following that pattern is almost like the actual first step to working on solving it as opposed to magically solving it. And I, I don't know if that's been your experience, but it's been mine anyway. Yeah. I'm not saying magical solution. I'm just saying the fact that you're aware of it can help you work on it. Yeah. Great point. Definitely. Did you have any Disney magic moments along with this, Karen? Just curious. I'm just teasing. Uh, well, I've might have watched a little bit of um, Disney films with my daughter during this over the last couple of years, but um, identifying those times where I haven't thought the process through, or haven't, or I've had these little fears come come up, and that going back to those and focusing on those is helping to shape what I need to do now as well. So, um, and as I keep going through that, then I end up being, uh, doing my job better, doing, uh, not just my job, living life better as well. Um, and, and because it, it's not just, um, in asking for help in that, 
uh, my presenting, my um, that that that's one thing actually is I struggle to present in front of a crowd. At the same thing of the fear of what is everyone saying to uh, about me? What are they thinking as I'm presenting? I'm stumbling over this. I'm I'm struggling to uh, get my point across. I know this really well. I know exactly what I want to say, but as soon as I get up there and, and start talking, my head becomes cloudy. So, um, as the same thing here, I had coming into this, uh, podcast being that it's my first time podcasting, um, and, and having this sort of discussion, I, over the weeks I've been planning, yep, this is what I uh, want to say. This is, this is, uh, I'll cover this, but then my head goes gray, I get that gray matter in there. And, start stumbling over it. But at the same time, I'm just going, we're just three guys having a chat. And it sort of allows me to uh, get into that flow and, and slow down and start thinking about what I need to talk about as well. But yeah, that, that sort of fear still, it still comes up a lot. Um, and it takes a lot of working to get there. So this actually reminds me of something I think that we've talked about before, and that's kind of like the two modes of thought that you can be in at any given time, which is, um, I, I think about it as storytelling mode, where you're talking about the past, uh, thinking about the past, all the things that have brought you here, the future, um, all the, you know, the things that might result as a, you know, as a happen as a result of this, and even um, kind of the, the present, like other people thinking and talking about what you're doing in the moment. Um, so that's storytelling mode. And then the other mode is experiential, which is very, I'm in the moment, I'm grounded. I'm, I'm uh, the only thought I really have in my head is, is what I'm, I'm talking about right now, the point I'm trying to get across the information that I, you know, that I have experienced that I, you know, I'm trying to share with this group of people, one, two, three, you know, many, and you can't really be in both modes of operation, right? You can be in the storytelling mode. You can be in the experiential mode. You can't be in both. And I, I, I've noticed that pattern over and over again in myself, in other people. And, and you just, you know, summed it up like, you know, terrifically when you're in that reflective mode where you're wondering what people are talking, you know, talking about, you know, saying about you, thinking about you, you know, it just is very, very difficult to then turn around and get that information and do the thing that you're doing. As soon as you stop that and you let go of it, you know, everything gets better in no matter what it is that you're doing. It could be your job. It could be dealing with your family. It could be, you know, just uh, driving, right? <laughs> so um, uh, it's just, it's just been, it's it's amazing to hear you say that. It's just a pattern I've seen over and over again. No question, just an observation. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, there's this particular blog post. I um, after I had posted on Twitter about a couple of weeks afterwards, I started thinking that this is actually something I need to develop and um, and present. I actually had a. Um, I started creating my PowerPoint and going, well, I'm going to present this at a, at a VMUG or at, um, or at a UserCon, something like that. 
uh, I thought it was was quite strong, but I just didn't end up completing that. And it's sort of, again, that fear of I'm getting up in front of people and explaining it. But this is my story as well. This is what I went through. Um, I, I, I can talk about it. And I think particularly after, the, after this recording, I'm going to get back onto the, that sort of bandwagon and turn it into a proper presentation and, and break it down a lot more than, um, than that post and a couple of things that we talked about as well. So, and, and turn that into a proper presentation and go, all right, if I'm going to do a first presentation and, and in front of a user con or something like that in front of uh, a number of people, that's not within my business, not people that I know. Um, and, and that's the thing. People I know in, in my business and that, I get up and talk, perfect. People I don't know, people who don't you know, know me, that's where it all comes in, that fear. So I'm going to use this as, as like a, a stepping stone and, um, and hopefully that will be my first time presenting and go, here's my story and this is it. And that's all it has to be is when you present, it's a story. Um, I mean, it's, it's easier said than, than done, but yeah, well, I, can, I can talk about it and say, um, but it's as simple as that. But actually doing it and clearing the mind of that fear is, is the, uh, the hard part. Well, now you have to do it since, you know, this has been said on the air, we're going to hold you to it. And by the way, if, if you need help crafting the thesis of the presentation or any of the details around that, John or I would be happy to help you. Uh, I mean, I'll volunteer, I'll volunteer John as well, just because absolutely um, excellent. sometimes Thanks. it's hard to get the idea down so that it's accepted as a submission. You know what I mean? But the, yeah. The great thing about it, just like you said, no one can argue with things that you've experienced because you're the only one who experienced it. So that's that's the great thing about it. You just tell the story, and I, I like it. I think uh, absolutely not. Yeah, I, I appreciate that too. Um, as you know, I am a member of the John White School of Mentoring, so I uh, certainly will take you take you up on that. Yeah, we're just waiting I on those the, checks to come in. Yeah, have, that's it. Have it's, the, it's in the mail. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll I'll rely on Nick to make sure that everything's cleared. Yeah, we'll, the, we'll take care of it. No problem, John. I'll give you your half percent commission that you're supposed to make off this. Okay. All right. I I'm curious if there's other uh, things along the the line now that you would have you know looking back on this process where you know, things ramped up, right? Were there things that you would identify now as, oh, um, here was an indication that I was getting overwhelmed. Uh, here's an, you know, another one. Were you getting more irritable? Were you like, even though you're, you know, fatigued and only getting one hour of sleep, were you having problems or were you only getting one hour of sleep because you're having problems falling asleep or, um, you know, problems concentrating any other things that you would call out now and say oh here's what i should have realized that this was too much yeah well that certainly with that one hour sleep it was that was all i could afford to be able to keep doing my job um through the day and through the night it it wasn't um what i should have done was gone to the business and said i've been up all night and i just need to stay home, do half a day, uh, sleep it off and that. 
but I forced myself to do that. I said, I, will, I finish at four, at least I get some sleep. And then my day was get up, get my daughter ready for daycare, send her off, go and do a day's work, come home, dinner, go back out to the dance and get things moving. Um, and I thought taking those small breaks away from work um, would have been enough and having that hour of sleep. But uh, yeah, I was, I was getting to the point where um, I, I knew I was missing out on family time for, for one, and that's a big thing with a young family. Um, and, and I actually identified that afterwards as well as, as extremely critical. Even now I have nights where I've got to, I, I got to go out, I've got to do this work in the data center, but I've been at work all day, but I make sure that when I come home, I organize that to be after nine o'clock that I need to be out there because that family time is important. And I'm making sure that I'm trying to work out that work-life balance as well, uh, which is hard to do. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's just that working, this is where my work is important because it's going to keep the business running. And keeping the business running is a priority because that keeps food on my table, um, on, on the family's table. But at the same time, working in the business, helping the business, keeping the business running. Well, why, why am I having food on my table if I don't have a family either? So it's sort of finding that balance and, and that as well. And yeah, when, when I, when I got sick, it was, I couldn't, I was home and my daughter was playing and all that. I couldn't play with her because I was just, I was bedridden and it just, yeah, that became a turning point of, um, I went too far. I, I, I've missed all this time. It's interesting because, you know, again, as individuals, we take all this stuff on and I have definitely taken on things like that. But for example, if somebody asked me to manage a team that was doing that, I would never ask individual people on that team to do so much work that they were only able to spend an hour asleep. Like that would, that would be, that would never enter my mind. I would say, oh, if that's what's being required, then we don't have enough resources on this team, you know, and it's a mismanagement of my resources in order uh, to have, uh, you know, team members doing this. Um, or I would have gone to the business and said, hey, you know, I need more resources because I'm having to ask people to do this. So obviously I've made a mistake. But if we take on that role of almost, being the project manager and being, you know, one of the people or the only team member that's doing this, then it feels like a weakness in, in a way that, that somehow negative re, negatively reflects upon us, right? Uh, I'm, I'm having to work, you know, 20 hours and, and my project management is no good. It's like, well, maybe one thing is a result of the other. <laughs> yeah. So, a um, bit of bit more of a back, background to that was just a month before that we actually let go um, three employees from different departments. So we had actually downsized the company as well, and the and I guess management weren't aware. I, I wasn't letting them know as well how much I was uh, doing. They they knew that I was working up all these hours and that, but they were I wasn't telling them the full story as well because. I was just there doing my job, got to keep it going. Let's go out. 
And then by about the um, second night was when I actually said, no, but this last night we have to have another team member. We've got to make sure that someone else is there to help you move all this. Um, it also ended up being that it was the networking equipment. So we ended up getting the um, network engineer out as well to make sure it was moved properly. Um, and yeah, it, it, it took a bit, but I, I wasn't passing on, I guess, all the information to be able to resource, have myself uh, with the, the amount of resources that I needed. Well, it's also subtle, right? When, when people have been let go, like very recently, to then turn around and go, hey, I, I can't necessarily do this job. It, it almost feels like you're exposing yourself as, uh, you know, quote unquote, weak, um, right mm -hmm. when people have been laid off. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's conscious or unconscious, you know, that can be an influence as well. Yes, <clears throat> that really hits home with me, John, because in uh, in 2016 2015 time frame we went from a department of four to two in the span of 10 days and I, I just couldn't let it go man i was working 12 to 16 hour days and couldn't sleep like you said i i wasn't willing to let the quality of service for end users suffer and i just about worked myself to death until we hired more people so i can totally see how management might have no clue the effort that you're putting in because of the fact that you have fewer resources and it's, it's unfortunate, but sometimes we just aren't willing to let it go. I know I wasn't right. I still have that problem sometimes. Yeah. And I guess, uh, a follow up project that I had about a year later, um, actually ended up being sort of a similar situation where I was under-resourced and it was actually in another state where I got sent down with our CTO to uh, build up a, a new data center in two days. And that actually, we, we didn't have to install um, any software or anything like that, didn't have to migrate the customers while we are there, but it was um, when uh, it was just doing the physical build and we re-pushed ourselves again that time, but because I had experience the year before um, th this particular project we're talking about, um, I then, when, when we did this project, I made sure that we took breaks. Every, every hour I was saying, we need to go for a drink, let's go do this, it's lunchtime, we need to, we need to stop, we need to take breaks, which meant that we, for the final hour, we might have cut it a couple of corners here and there with, with how we labeled things. We didn't necessarily make sure that things were labeled cleanly, but the labels were still on there. It, it just meant that we rushed a little bit at the end, but at the same time, we looked after ourselves. We made sure that we were um, making sure that we were still doing a good job and keeping our sanity that we then, when we went back to um, the business on, so we went down on the Monday, Tuesday, so when we went back to the office on the Wednesday, we were able to um, be able to be an employee again. We were able to work the normal business day. Um, had we not taken those breaks and that, it could have been a whole nother story. We might've been off for um, that, that Wednesday and Thursday. So, um, but it did mean that that job. But the other thing was we had also onboarded another customer the week before 
and there was a whole lot of issues that had come up. Um, we and we lost an employee to um, he, he went out on medical leave uh, just two days after we onboarded this customer. So we began again being under resourced, but we had this requirement that we had to build out this data center. So we were doing a little bit of support as well from interstate um, and for the guys that were still up here uh, in the office. And it just, it pushed out this project, but again, taking on board what I had learned and picked up, um, I was still making sure that what I had learned from the previous project that we were trying to follow that and make sure that we were looking after ourselves. That was the goal. But like I said, we still kind of pushed the limit to try and get it all completed within that time frame we had. So some lessons learned. Um, it sounds like maybe uh, the uh, the company was caught in a situation where they didn't have a deep enough bench for uh, for some of those eventualities. But I, I have to say that you know, having worked for businesses, sometimes you know it doesn't have to be a small business or a medium size. It can be a large business that has you know, small teams where, you know, there's no resiliency or, or redundancy in people and skills, right? All it takes is, hey, the work's gone up a little bit, and then somebody gets sick, and all of a sudden, you're, you're in a world of hurt, you don't, you don't have any redundancy necessarily built into the system. It's really difficult to, um, to build up a system like that, where you have people who can just step in, you know, and okay, this person's working 45 hours this week instead of 40 hours, but we have everything covered. You know, that very, very difficult to have that happen. Yeah, exactly. And I, um, I found that we, we were adequately staffed, but yes, having that person drop out um, straight after we had onboarded a customer that he was the tech lead for, it threw a lot out of, um, out of, out of scope for us. And, but we had this other project that had to be completed. We had customers um, because the we had to move into a new data center in a short time frame because we were we had a partnership with a well with a partner that went sour, and we were doing a shared rack situation. So they were just going to turn off our equipment in their in their rack. So we had to build out a new one. So we we had a. Uh, situation where we had to make sure we got that completed as well. So we're trying to support a new, newly onboarded customer and give them the best experience for any of the teething issues that we had at the same time of we had this pressure of, well, we're going to lose all these customers if this company turns off our equipment. So um, we always had an agreement of when that would happen, but we had to make sure that everything was in place. We had customers migrated. It was still following on tasks to do afterwards. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it made that pressure made it a lot harder. Um, and yeah, losing someone in the team um, right at that sort of critical moment really put the pressure up even more. Um, and, and we had a small team to begin with. And the issue with small teams is you may also be like a, a level one to level three across three people. You are answering the phone at the same time you are upgrading um, the VMware platform or you're upgrading um, Citrix or something like that in the background. So it, it does make it hard. And 
things like documentation that get and could end up getting skipped as well. Yeah, it's never that easy to say, hey, we're not going to take any unplanned work because we need to complete this migration. That just doesn't seem to be realistic most of the time when you have a small team at a short deadline. Somebody has to has to do the triage even though you're in the middle of something big. Yeah, it's it's always um, a question of of compromises, right? Because not, you never have infinite resources, infinite people, infinite budget, infinite time. So it's always a matter of, you know, what am I willing to compromise on? Sure, I don't have the perfect documentation as I'm doing things step by step, and I'm not, I don't have a video camera and screen capture of what I'm doing, right? Um, but can I go back and recreate it and, and have up-to-date documentation of exactly what was done? You know, as long as you can, you know, get there in the end, I think, as you said, like, that's always the goal, right? And can you do everything perfectly all the time? You know, no, you can't. So at least, you know, you and the organization are figuring that out and figuring out the correct priorities. That, that That's a really uh, a positive step, I would say. I, I just want to be, you know, conscious of your time. Are, are there other things that you've learned over time that, that you feel... Uh, um, that you know need to be called out, or places in your life where you've you've you know been able to apply these lessons. Yeah, I think um, over my time, I've sort of found things like ego going in. Um, that that like we've touched on it, but I, for me, I went into thinking that I knew what I was I was doing, um, and you know this company should hire me because. I have experience in this. That's not the case. the The world is different um, to what to this silo that you're in, or into that sort of um, your little bubble. So my ego. There, there have been times when I've gone into places, and um, it, it, this company that I'm working for now actually was where I really did discover my ego. Um, like I said, I. I came from a, um, a a location that was using uh, a three-host vSphere rollout. That was it. As soon as I started in this company, I said, you know, I'm, I'm all for um, vSphere. I've, I've sat down. I've gone through a certification process. I've, I've done training. I've done all this. I've done that. And then to go in and go, oh, I've got no idea now what I'm doing. I don't have that hands-on experience because what I was doing was all in my lab as well. And... It just, like, I caught myself out in that. It wasn't the business caught myself out. They took a chance and said, I see where you, what you've worked on and you've got potential. You've got that to move forward with. But I, I sort of hadn't learned about that, that potential that I, that I had. Um, it was more, I've done this, so I should be able to do this. And that, that was another thing I learned with certification is I – I've failed a few certifications purely based on ego because I went, well, I've studied it and I've gone through, I've done the practice test. Excellent. That's it. I don't need to go back and review. And then I fail. And then I've gone back to, well, I want to pass this. So then, but I don't go back to the basics and going back to the basics and going, I've done this. I've installed ESXi a thousand times. I know exactly what I'm doing. Ah, but, I haven't actually done it on a sand or and done sand boot or I haven't done this or I haven't done sort of those 
finding out what I hadn't known as well. But if I hadn't have gone back and done that, then those questions I'm getting asked and well, I don't know that, but I went, well, I've installed it. So I know exactly what I'm doing. It's that having that ego and going in with that. It's just, um, it, yeah, I've caught myself out many times with that. So that's one thing that I, yeah, I found myself, um, yeah, as, as a big risk that I've, I've created for myself. So, so my advice sort of would be find out, look at yourself, reflect, and know where what you want to be able to achieve, but also what is your business asking for? What do you know? And what is the bigger world? What are other people doing? Um, I mean, finding, listening to the community and seeing that other people are actually are using Sandboot. And you go, well, I've never come across that, but other people are. What if I go into a business that is using that? I need to know that. So I need to study that. I need to study this. Kubernetes, that people are, that, that's big now. People are using that. What if I go into a business where I am there um, as their vSphere admin, but they're using Kubernetes? I don't know that. Having a little bit of that exposure as well and knowing that, um, yes, I know the whole vSphere side, but how does that interact? How does, how does that whole piece come together? Um, or how does uh, yeah, not sitting myself into a, a into a bubble and just going I know this bit is probably my biggest sort of thing I've found about myself. That's so interesting. I mean, I've I've fallen into that hole myself. You know, like um, you know, you look at this technology description. Like, I'll just take your example. Like, you know, boot from sand, and if you don't do that, it feels like an edge case, right? It's like, oh, I, I've done this, you know, so many times, and I, you, we've never just, we've never made that choice, and it feels like, you know, almost like a minor, you know, detour off the main path. But to somebody else, it could be their entire world. You know, they might manage, you know, an environment ten times the size of yours, or there might be thirty people out there who've walked, you know, a very similar path, but they've done nothing but make this, you know, choice that to you feels like an edge choice you know, or our non-standard choice. You just don't know what's out there. Um, and it's uh, it's a really good call out, really like that. Yeah, and I think um, one main thing now that I'm really discovering is how software development works or how automation works. Um, I've done a little bit of automation in the past, but I've always had this um, view that, well, software works, you click here, click that, this is how it works. Um, knowing full well that people sit down and write code, but not understanding the process in writing code and what software developers are going through to write code. And when I look at automating, um, for a number of years, when automation was becoming more talked about, it was trying to, I'd look at it and go, oh, that's too much, no one to write that much. That's, uh, that's too long. Um, and then over time, I've actually started to break down that and go, no, what it is, is it's an automated process. You can break it down and go, all right, this is the step I want to perform, perform this step, move on to the next step and just write it out like a recipe, that process. And it, but at the same time, you're testing, does this line work? Does that work? It's not just sitting there writing. 
you're not uh, and breaking it down i've managed to start writing more and more automation more code than that and it's um again it was a bit of a well i've never seen anyone actually sit down and, and, and develop something before so my view of it has always been that's you know you click on a couple of things and that's it you drag boxes visual basic drag a couple of boxes out yeah that's it right click this is what i wanted to do but it's not it's everything that's in behind it so um trying to get that exposure was was big and i sort of feel like i've i've lagged in that department i should have known about that five years ago how that works and be actually working with that myself so um i get advice on that would be get out there and do that um understand that different topics i'm really interested in in uh in reading your blog posts about learning about that yeah, so um, I've actually haven't written a blog post, but I did my first um, Git commit um, not too long ago. So I want to, I had planned on writing a blog post about that, the process that I went through writing that full automate, um, automated script, and that was for uh, a rubric uh, deployment. So that got really big exposure when I, uh, as, a, um, as a tweet, but it, yeah, I want to build a blog post around that, and it's been on my mind. So now that I've said it, I'm going to have to do it. Um, but yes, it's it's definitely there on my list that there will be a blog post talking about how what the process I went through to be able to also break down in my mind how uh, automation, how software development occurs, and then it's just opened up this other world of well, I want to write more. Uh, I don't want to become a software developer. But I want to be able to automate more. I want to be able to streamline my tasks and that. Because um, there are times where I went, well, this uh, vSphere um, cluster, it's got, needs four new hosts. Look, I'm just going to manually do some bits. Or I'd just write a line that said, set all um, DNS to this across all four hosts. But that's it. And that's where I stopped. I wouldn't do more because it was too much. It was it, it would take longer to write that than to do the four hosts manually. But um, but then once I started breaking it down and going, well, actually spending the time and then later on, we'll have the same thing and you just got to change these couple of variables and that's it and and run it. It saves a lot more time later on and it's just breaking that down. That's good stuff. You know, John, I think this might be the first show where we've helped a guest give themselves homework assignments because that's two now. A presentation that he has to do and uh, some blog posts. So uh, keep let's, going, let's, Kieran. We're going to get you a list of like top ten. It's going to be let's, great. Let's yeah. Let's not be shy. We're assigning the homework, right? We've yeah. invited Kieran on as a guest to uh, as a favor to us to explain a a, a a really interesting blog post that he's written, and then somehow we've we've assigned him work, and somehow we feel okay about it. I mean, yeah. at least. Uh, I feel iffy about it, but I'm still gonna I'm still gonna ask about it. It's it's for well, his own good. It's for his own good. There you go. Well, I think the uh, assignment first was getting on the board on the podcast. So that's step one. <laughs> no, that was a favor. We'll, we'll 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 cop to that asking for a favor. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to cover before we uh, break for the evening, or for you for the afternoon? I think we're pretty pretty good there actually at the moment do you have any other follow-up questions on 
plenty of that or i would just ask you know can you give out your twitter handle is it okay for people to follow up with you if they want to ask more questions about the things we've discussed in this episode yeah absolutely um so um my blog, if you want to read the blog post we, we discussed today, is um, readysetvirtual.com. Um, that's from uh, my love of um, Formula One. And, um, and my Twitter handle is at Kieran underscore Sheldon. Um, so, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely hit me up. I need to get up to those 1,000 followers soon. Oh, wow, 1,000 followers. Okay. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll magnify that somehow. Like maybe your thousand followers can listen to our episode. Yeah, Who's doing who a favor. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't even think I hit three hundred yet. Our our tens of listeners will uh, will will bump that up. Maybe I'm in a, our hundreds of thousands of followers will I'm sure be um, be interested in in your uh, your blog posts. I mean, it's more pressure on you, of course. Um, to bring our giant audience to your future posts, but I'm sure you can handle that now. Now that you have the, all these skills that you've talked about, yeah, yeah, no, no pressure to write anymore. <laughs> I think that's a third homework assignment to get to a thousand followers, right? That's that's three, man. Hey, uh, yeah, well, that that thousand I've been waiting, but look, it, it's not about the uh, it's not about the amount of followers you have. It's just the content you put out there. There you go. That's what. That's that's what really matters, and uh, good content and the followers will come. Uh, even more wisdom, even more wisdom. Kieran, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I've it's been extremely valuable for me to both read this blog post and to interact with you and, and hear your thoughts and and how you know where you were then and how you've evolved since. It's it's been really terrific. Yeah, we sure appreciate you taking the time, Kieran especially since you're in the future. Well, that's it. I, uh, I don't know if I can uh, give you back the time and pass it over into, into the past, but uh, we can um, certainly see how it goes. But thank you for having me on. It um, certainly has been a pleasure to be on, and especially given that this uh, was my first podcast, it's, um, it's certainly been a journey. Sounds like the journey continues. That nerd journey. All right. Thank you so much, Karen. No worries. Thank you. I'm impressed with the way Kieran was able to learn from his experiences and improve things when he faces similar situation in the future. And I learned something in this episode too, John. The John White School of Mentoring comes with homework. And you definitely dished out some for Kieran. Oh, man. I hope that wasn't too obnoxious. Uh, I definitely want to see what he has to say about automation, though. Oh, and I know we talked about ego before the interview, but after listening, I think that Kieran identifies it really well. Ego and fear combined with a dash of imposter syndrome. That's definitely a recipe for trouble. I feel like that should be on an episode of The More You Know. But honestly, identifying those traits and behaviors and being mindful of them moving forward is the only way to self-improvement. Does that sound like something Master Yoda would say? I don't know, but that was a great discussion. <laughs> I was impressed that he had the level of self-awareness to actually put out a blog post on the topic 
in the heat of the moment. I don't think I've ever done that in a similar situation. Um, yeah, definitely not. Just in the in the heat of the moment, I would just be a puddle on the floor. Uh, well, Nick, anything pop into your mind before we get out of here? Other than encouraging our listeners not to turn into a puddle on the floor, I'd say no. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. And that is where you tweet if you want to subscribe to the John White School of Mentoring. Comes with homework. Pricing and packaging to come. Yeah, be ready for that homework, apparently. I didn't even know that I was going to do that. (laughs) Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios. Five stars, five stars, five stars. Smash that button. I'm certainly impressed with the way Kieran was able to learn from his experience and is and improve. <laughs> let's let's just do that again. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I'm cool. You can be cool. <laughs>